Hey, what's up? Welcome to another Patreon episode, a Patreon-exclusive episode of Demolition. If you're here, you know the drill, so let's just jump right into what this episode is going to be about, which, if you've clicked on it, you already know, too, because there is a title card and a little description, but yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play out this, I'm going to play out our little charade, nonetheless, right? <laughs> you know, so so this, uh, this particular Patreon episode, we're going to revisit a format that we've done in the past, I think, two times, maybe mm-hmm. three, two, yeah. two, uh, year, a year in hardcore, we just use like a random number generator, and uh, we look at all of the good hardcore punk releases that came out out that year and uh we pick we pick some of our faves and listen to some music off of them maybe revisit some stuff that we haven't listened to in a while um maybe big up some stuff that flies under the radar and on that tip i think that this particular installment is probably going to be a two-parter we discussed it just because this year is uh the year we're doing today is 1981 which as you can imagine is unbelievably stacked for both very notable releases and really good releases that are a little bit slept on. Well, here's the thing. When we landed on 81, yeah. and I thought, oh, fuck. Yeah. Right? Because this is one of those years where, as a fan of hardcore, sure. I'm not a historian, and I don't want to, like, right. create that fucking no, certainly impression. Not. Right? Yeah, if yeah, anything, yeah. the people listening to this show know by now, we're idiots. Indeed. Right? Yeah. We talk out of our ass all the time. All the time. So I'm not a historian. I wasn't there. Right. Right. Most of these records we're going to talk about, I don't own because most sure. of them by now and by the time I started collecting records were well out of my budget. Yeah. So a, a lot of these, like, or a few of them at least, I have like cassette copies of yes. because they're a lot more. Or I have affordable. them on like a discography sure, yes. version, right? Yeah. I have them in some version, but not the original. And I, I've always thought, I don't want to get too far ahead of this, but like, I don't want to buy. Mm hmm. Uh, you know, 1998 repress, if there is one, of Out of Step. Right. Because I've already got the discography. Yeah, for sure. I want, if I'm going to buy Out of Step, yeah, I want the original. No doubt. And Out of Step didn't come out in, in 81, but Filler and In My Eyes did. Right, yes, exactly. Um, And so, like, I'm not going to buy a, you know, I'm not going to buy, like, anything. If I, if I see that, mm-hmm. I'm going to buy the original. And... With the budget I have now, yeah. If I'd have seen this record in '99, sure, I could afford it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, yeah, no, no. So uh, I, I number one, I don't want to sound like I'm a hardcore, hardcore historian. Right, I'm not. I'm a fan. Sure, right. I love a lot of these records. '81 was a big year. I'm not going to try to tell you what was what the hardcore zeitgeist was. I wasn't fucking there. Right, right. And I'm, you know, we're gonna we're gonna visit this year. I think in two parts. Number one, I think we talked about looking at some of the more well-known examples. Because sure. I, I don't know how you talk about 81 without acknowledging, you know, Damaged. Right. And, you know, <laughs> In God We Trust. Yep. And, you know, In My Eyes. Sure. Right? I don't know how you how you don't acknowledge, like, the adolescence. Yeah, Discharge came out with Discharge. Why that year. Yes. And yeah. so, like, it's a big year, and the list is long. <clears throat> so maybe the first half we talk about some of those bigger bands and just this is almost going to be like just like a a reminiscence party of my first hardcore bands yeah for sure i so i picked stuff that is like uh, we can definitely talk about some of the like real big name bands just because why not and because as as frequently as i assume that people who subscribe to our patreon already know all this stuff i'm typically surprised by how many people 
may not. You know what I mean? Sure. Like we have enough people of uh, various walks of, of life and backgrounds in like extreme and heavy and music, punk music, metal music, whatever, that there's usually people that stuff we take for granted. Like I think we listen to Dag Nasty on the, yeah, like the 86 episode, we listen to Can I Say. Mm-hmm. And I know at least one or two Patreon subscribers were like, that was the first time I ever gave Dag Nasty a fair shake and it, now I love that record, you know? And for me, that's such a critical record that like, it's, it's easy for me to assume like, oh, everybody's heard Can I Say, but it's also that came out in fucking 1986. Right, right. Not everybody arrived at where they're at now via the same path. You right, know? right. And, and, and yeah, and I think too that, yeah, you're right. And some of these bands are so ubiquitous. Right. You know, to the point that like, <clears throat> maybe they're kind of thought of in the same... Uh, in the same sort of mindset, it's like, well, why would I revisit a Leonard Skinner record? Right. Yes, exactly. So, yes, ex- I was going to point that out as well. I think sometimes people, especially if it's somebody younger, even just relatively younger, say a 25-year-old person, t- 25-year-old person who got into punk and hardcore in, let's say, the early aughts, yeah. or, or I mean, the, the early 2010s, right? right? They may just see these bands on like back patches and jackets and stuff so frequently that they assume that it's like, Oh, this is just old guy shit. I really right. don't need to revisit it, which, you know, is a potentially a fair assumption in many instances, like, especially as we've talked about on the show, both Patreon episodes and like the weekly episode of the weekly show. And we'll cover it here tonight. At least I certainly intended to like dead Kennedy's. Like I, I feel like I have personally turned on and we have personally turned on uh, more than a few people to DK via the podcast just by going, yo, if you think this is like a starter pack punk band that isn't for you and that you don't need to have in your regular listening roster, reassess, go back and listen to that shit because those records stand as some of the best examples of American punk music it, ever. It might be the best American punk band of all time. Right, exactly. Uh, and and I fully intend to cover cover DK on this episode tonight. Yeah. So I picked some stuff. Uh, we'll just kind of go through stuff, go back and forth, and, and talk about shit. And, like, I picked a few things that are not, certainly not under the radar, under the radar, uh, but things that are, like, they're well known if you are a hardcore punk aficionado, but if you are more of a casual, they may have slipped past you. And we can also talk about the minor threats and the black flags and the discharges. Yeah, and all I that think stuff I think too. we kind of have to. Absolutely. Um, I don't think we get past the 1981 without. I don't think we get past 80, 80, basically 80 through 83. Right. Without addressing those bands for sure. And here's the thing: a little backstory. Like I said, I'm not as you know, we're not historians here. But right. The the abridged version, right? This stuff really broke in around 1980. Mm-hmm. Pay to Come comes out in 1980. Yep. Um, these bands were forming in the late 70s. Mm-hmm. You know, 78, maybe, I think, well, Bad Brain started as like a jazz sort of sure, yeah. band, whatever. But they put out their, yeah, but they put out like Pay to Come in like, what, 79, 80? 80. Yeah. And so, like, a lot of these bands that we're thinking about is like, the progenitors, the the, the, the the freshman class right. of, har, you know, American hardcore bands and hardcore bands around the world because this was popping up sort of sporadic, like like almost semi-autonomously across the world. Yeah, there was a lot of parallel thinking. Yeah. Um, you know, it's really started to happen around 80. Yeah. And it was basically a reaction to the commercialization on, and the defanging of punk. Sure. That's basically what it was. Right. Right. You know, and new wave. Yes. Like let's 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 bring back you know the aggression and the anger. Let's make it faster. Let's strip away the you know the 
the I guess predominant fashion of punk at the day. It was sure. a, it was a reaction to it. Right? Yeah, <clears throat> you can read more if you want. Read American Hardcore. Fucking get online. Whatever. Right. But that's right. basically what happened. So a lot of these bands we're going to talk about. <coughs> you know these releases in '81. These bands have maybe formed a year, two years, sometimes three years prior. Mm -hmm. They maybe existed in a slightly different version prior. Right. Right. And then sort of morphed into punk and hardcore. Sure. And there's a lot of bands that, you know, there's a ton of, I, I was, I, I've been developing a list of, of like releases from 81. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just online on Discogs, you know, fucking the internet in general, referencing American hardcore and just look, because it gets a pretty good discography in the back of that. Yeah, for sure. That's kind of weird, though, because it seems like Stephen Blush's book um, in the discography seems to consider the year that it was recorded and not the year that it was released. Yeah, for sure. It's weird. I, I mean, American hardcore gets like uh, a fair amount of side eye anyway, just because the book is not this way. The book is just a really good uh, kind of well fleshed out document right. of things that were going on in right. a, a, a good or a, a, a great oral history. And I recommend it to anybody. Even I just think, visually. Right, right. Visually, it's incredible. And the documentary is, again, visually incredible. But the documentary, I think, is what more people are familiar with. And it's not even, I mean, it can't be even as close to as comprehensive as the book is. And also, you get a lot, the, the kind of underlying thesis of that is like, Punk and hardcore was our thing that already happened, and it's and it's yeah, dead. Now. And that's bullshit. And it sucks. That's old man shit. It's it's very much old man shit, and it's fucking lame. And they just kind of like they kind of touch on Chromags, and then they're like, oh, that's when it would changed. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, so, that's just when you got out. And we we've talked about that sort of shit before too. Right. Yes. But the book I would absolutely recommend just as like a a surprisingly comprehensive oral history of the era that's really interesting and covers a lot of more remote corners than you would expect. Right. So the point is, you know, basically, basically the, the releases we're putting in here that I'm picking might have been recorded in 81, I mean, in 80. Yeah. Right. But they were released in 81. Yeah. Yeah. For so sure. Everything according to, we'll say the, the, um, the authority that is Discogs. Right. Yes. Yeah. For <laughs> sure. Says everything is, th these released in 81. And I was just, I've been developing a list and I've mm -hmm. got, I don't know, 125, 130. Yeah. Releases that uh, show up on this list right now. And I'm just going to run through some of these bands. Okay. Okay. Minor Threat, Black Flag, DOA, Discharge, Husker Du, Dead Kennedys, Minutemen, Adolescents, Necros, Radis, Rudimentary, Peni, TSOL, Red Cross, Big Boys, China White, Crucifix. Um, what else have we got? Um, Agent Orange. Yep. Uh, Blitz, Tervik Cadet, Chaos. Um, it just goes fucking on and on and on. Yep. The, the Stalin. Yep. Zero Boys. Yep. Channel 3. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Wasted Youth. Kraut. Yep. Right? Um, Youth Brigade. It just, goes, it just goes fucking on and on and on. Right. So when I said to you about two episodes, I think that in order to do this year justice, we have to at least spend one episode acknowledging some of the more notable American hardcore bands. Sure. And then in the next episode, maybe some of the less well-known or international bands as well. Because sure. there's also kind of a distinct, there's definitely a distinct sonic difference between the American bands and the overseas Absolutely. Bands. Like you mentioned, the Stalin and like Tervi Cadet and stuff, and even Discharge, very different than what was going on in America. Right. Discharge is interesting, uh, too, that, you, that I, I knew that we would we would talk about them and just by pure happenstance this morning somebody in the no echo facebook group 
posted audio of uh, a night, like a late 1986 discharge show when they were doing the Grave New World tour. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of legendarily bad shows on that, like notably their, their show at the Ritz, where I think Youth of Today called them faggots on stage and like they got food thrown at them and stuff. But this is really good because it's just an audio recording and they only make it through a few songs. Like during their first song, uh, everybody in the crowd is like, I mean, to the point where it is on the same audio level, if not at moments louder than the band playing, everybody is screaming in unison, fuck you at discharge, like in rhythm with the song. So it almost sounds like gang vocals in the song. They make it through like a few songs, uh, and there's also a running a running commentary of two guys like who must have been just standing by the camera. I think maybe or not the camera, but the the like the recording the tape recorder. One of them may have been the dude recording, and there are so many good like little audio sound bites. Like we've talked before about how uh, one of our favorite parts of listening to like old demos and stuff is hearing what's going on in the room and shit. Mm -hmm. And especially for this era of like hardcore punk too, I love seeing and hearing those live shows <laughs> just to hear the banter and stuff right. and get a feel for like what it was like back then and like what people were talking about. And it's funny because time and time again, I find that not just the parlance, but the attitudes, the prevailing attitudes, everything is virtually unchanged in, you know, in 40 years, basically. Right. There's like, um, at one point, like there's a dude, I think it's one of the guys from uh, Attitude Adjustment played the show, DRI played the show, and Possessed played the show. So it's a fucking insane lineup and then awful discharge. And at that time, too, like Grave New World had just hit the States. So there's like they're talk, kind of talking about it. They're like, man. I heard I heard a new discharge song on the radio and it hurt it sounded really fucking wimpy, <laughs> but like I didn't know it was gonna be like this, man. And uh they're like, Yeah, dude, like I don't know, dude, glam metal is better than this. And they're like, Yeah, dude, like Quiet Riot has like fans at least. I don't know who would even like this. Right. And uh at one point, like one of the members of like the promoter or like somebody who played another band is like trying to get the crowd to like chill out because at this point discharge has fully just walked off after like three songs and uh the dude comes up and he's like if you don't like it just leave just they're not gonna play the old stuff man just get out if you don't like it go home stop fucking causing a ruckus and the analogy that he chooses to use he says hey if you don't like jail and the doors open what do you do and some <laughs> some girl immediately without missing a beat goes put discharge in it <laughs> and it's, it's, it's so fucking good so i just uh yeah i by pure happenstance like i said i knew we would talk about discharge tonight and i happened to listen to that show like all 36 minutes of it this morning and uh it's pretty incredible well it's awesome too i mean it it shows the i don't know listening to a lot of the you know i've been listening to a lot of stuff from 81 sure. over the past week listening to the songs revisiting these things sort yeah. of like just sort of ruminating over over pictures and so forth yeah and looking, like yeah me too the the sense of just sort of like anti everything yeah and and irreverence absolutely yeah it's 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 home sweet home it's amazing and also i think on like uh on on, on a, a more innocent tip i guess uh less nihilistic uh a less nihilistic tip like the 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 feeling of absolute possibility mm -hmm. that you could tell was there like 
anything went and it was okay to try anything, even if it didn't land. Sure. And I think this list is very representative of that. Yeah, there's know? a lot of stuff on here that, you know, kind of falls under the hardcore umbrella. Right. That, I don't know, if a band came out playing like this today, you mm. might not think is hardcore. Right, yeah. Like There's what, a lot of experimentation, and, and there's a lot of regional dialects. Yeah, exactly, which we've talked about on the weekly show and on Patreon episodes before, and I think is a thing that people have been bemoaning for a long time, which is the the internet sort of eliminating this idea of like distinct, not just sounds, but distinct regional sounds, styles, aesthetic approach, dance style. Just sort of a homogenization. Right, the homogenization of like subculture in general. And like, yeah, a perfect example of what you were just talking about is one I'll probably save till the second episode because it's, it's not obscure in the sense, you know, it came out on SST, but it's a really early SST release and it's not one that I think most, uh, most corpsmen, even well-researched and, uh, you know, self-professed uh, historians are, are really into, but like the Saccharin Trust record that came I was gonna, out this I, Yeah, it's on the list and yeah. I was going to mention, because it's a fucking awesome record. It's such a good record, but you dude. don't normally think of Saccharin no. Trust, I don't think of them normally as a hardcore record, as right. a hardcore band, but this record... Yeah, it fits. Yeah, it, absolutely. And like they were playing shows with other SST bands, with other hardcore bands, and there was not a tidy place to put a band like that. Um, and then there's obviously the, the the phenomenon that we've talked about on the show, again, on the Patreon show, uh, pa- Patreon series, like various Patreon episodes a lot, which is that several of these bands are, are also, they're not doing it yet, but in a couple short years would plant the seeds for Alt, like the American alt rock scene, as oh, it sure. came to yeah, exist. Oh, sure. Yeah, Minutemen. Yeah, yeah. Minutemen, Husker Du. I mean, even I, I kind of toyed with because they were in the same scene, but sonically is not really there. Like the replacements record that came out this year, uh, Sorry Ma forgot to take out the trash, mm-hmm. and they were playing. They were playing at that at that point in 1981, basically exclusively Minneapolis hardcore shows. Right. You know what I mean? That's right. that's the scene that they were in. Yeah, like Minutemen. If you listen to those early. Those songs are like 45 seconds to a minute 20. Yeah. They're fast, but they're not like hard. Right. Yes, exactly. You know what I mean? They have the speed of hardcore and it fits in it because where else are you going to put them, especially in the early 80s? Yeah. Right. But if something like that came out today, you would not think that's hardcore. Yeah. Or like Big Boys or yep. something like that. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So let's uh, let's just jump into it. Where do you where do you want to start? I think. Obviously, let's start with the obvious stuff. I'm kind of inclined. I'm kind of inclined to start with Minor Threat just because. Sure. It it truly doesn't get better. This is another one that we've talked about repeatedly, and uh, it's a refrain that I will probably repeat until I die. One of the things that I did in preparation for this is like the last week, I watched a lot of live footage from this era in general, and I watched a lot of Minor Threat shows, mm-hmm. and. It's hard to overstate what an ins- unbelievably good band they were on every level. Like, not only did they, as we've repeated often, uh, create the blueprint and perfect it on the first try, which mm-hmm. is a pretty remarkable feat in and of itself, but also the songs are not simple and they're n- played with an unbelievable amount of proficiency considering like the age and experience of the people involved live they're a fucking machine i mean from pretty much from jump if you even go back and see some of the earliest minor threat shows like in very short order they are a well-oiled live machine in a way that like very few bands period 
ever get to be. And they right. did it in the course of a really, really short existence. Right. And the energy is insane. And these records are like, even among their peers, I think, I think this stuff is, I think Minor Threats records are basically peerless. Like even though mm -hmm. they do represent a broader sonic trend in hardcore at that moment and moving forward, I've said before, and I, and I maintain now, I don't think there is actually another band that sounds like Minor Threat. As much as every band is like, oh yeah, Minor Threat's a big influence, I don't think anyone's ever nailed it. Like they are just, they are truly singular in a way that I think very few bands I, I ever also, are. I also think that there's plenty of bands, especially bands of this status that, you know, of this history that you can, okay, DK, you can't, you can't do DK. No, you can't, no. I mean, Big Zit. Yeah, sure. Sure, right. but everybody knew exactly what was happening. Yeah, absolutely. No, Big Zit sounded like Bad Brains. Big Zit was more Bad Brains, who, who, yeah. Who am I thinking? I'm thinking about some. Maybe I'm not. Anyway, I thought there was a band within the past 10 years that went hard on the DK band. Yeah, sure. Um, maybe I'm wrong about that. But anyway, um, you know, you can't, you can't do DK. Yeah. You just can't because you're not going to do those songs better. Right. You're not going to write a better song than yeah. Dan Kennedy's. For sure. You can't do them better. What's the fucking point? It's kind of the same thing with Minor Threat. You can't do Minor Threat because it's too on the nose. Yeah, exactly. You can do Negative Approach. Sure, yeah. You can do Poison Idea. Right. Right? You can do that stuff. Yes. You can't do this. No, you really can't. And and I think, again, it's the songs are deceptively complex. Like, I, I don't know, man. It's just, <laughs> it's really advanced. And if you, if you... Even if you already like the records and you're in concurrence, if you haven't gone back and like watch a video of them, especially from like 1983, when they're really, really fucking locked in, it, it is sincerely, truly, no hyperbole, shocking what a good band they were in every sense. And like, just, yeah, man, I just don't think you can write songs like that. You could, you could copy it note for note and that's I think pretty much the only way that you could arrive there I don't think there's an organic way to like arrive at what Minor Threat was doing no. and simulate that unless you're just unless you're just playing the songs backwards basically that's all right. you can do right so let's uh, yeah let's let's listen to something off filler what do you uh, what song do you want to you want to listen to um, you could pr you could pick pretty much anything and you're not gonna you're not gonna be wrong you know what I mean Minor Threat's kind of the standout song there as being sonically different than a lot of the other ones. The other yeah. ones are really fast. Yep, for sure. Still, I don't want to hear it. Okay, yeah, 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 for sure. There you go. 
Yeah. I mean, you can't do it better than that. You're not going to write a better hardcore song than that. And that's out the gate. Yeah, exactly. You know, right, like, right, right. That's, that's fucking out the gate. They perfected the form. Yes. So if you're not opposed to it, since we've already, we've rode Minor Threat's dick pretty hard already, I kind of want to go straight into, just because the songs are short anyway, and we got we got all the time in the world if we want it. I kind of want to go straight to In My Eyes, just because I think that, you know, they're playing, the filler is basically, it's the same songs off the demo, uh, just recorded a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And I think that the degree, like the title track of In My Eyes, the degree of like sonic advancement that occurs in right. such a small period of time is really remarkable. Sure. So let's just listen to In My Eyes as like, you know, in du- a direct kind of one-two punch so you can he- hear them back to back. Right. And these came out the same year. Yes, they came out the same year. Yes. <laughs> that song yeah you can hear it as the perfect bridge yep between the um filler ep yep and basically out of step 
Yes. It's it, like, like yeah. out of step just takes another step towards this. You can hear Salad Days in that song. Absolutely. And so it's it's just wild because, like, they put out filler, right? They they helped they help craft the entire blueprint for, like, what the rest of the national hardcore scene is going to aspire to. And then in the for same— For 40 years. For 40 years, right. And then in the same year, totally, like— I I mean advance <laughs> advance the genre in a way that will take several years for anybody to catch up with. Like I don't think bands even really attempted to sound like this until Uniform Choice, until Youth of Today, and all of that stuff. They tried to take the formula initially. I think put forth with In My Eyes and Out of Step, and like it was like i said it was several years before a band even made an attempt and nobody ever really landed it i think you could argue uniform choice maybe got as close as anybody to like recreating this particular style of minor threat uh, and they added their own like west coast flavor to it and everything too but yeah man it's just they were like okay cool we'll, we'll basically invent, help invent you know the entire sound of hardcore and then we will entirely sonically redefine it in the same calendar year it's just wild and they yeah. were literal children you right, know right, like right. absolute right. actual kids right and as far as years go yeah discord records so they just really you know they finally you know everybody get that ordered pre-ordered their copy of the first six records sure. got it in the mail right yeah i got one sitting over there so in 81 like because teen idols minor servants came out in 80 right SOA, no policy, minor threat, filler, necros, IQ 32, yep. government issue, legless bull, minor threat, in my eyes, Yep. and um, youth brigade, possible. And uh, so, uh, just full disclosure, several of those releases are on the list of stuff that I want to talk about. Exactly. Today, so. I mean, it, it was almost, this is like a Discord's record listen through. Yeah, yes, yeah, for sure. You know, it's almost <laughs> yeah. a Discord record listen to. And, and the crazy thing is, like, I was thinking about this as I was, you know, writing up this this list of, of releases in 81 and looking at looking at discographies and stuff like there's quite a statement here i think somewhere between the lines with these one two three four five six records mm -hmm. that came out in 81 yeah i mean that's like a year's worth of fucking mortgage yeah, yeah, for if sure. If you happen to have yes. those right now. Yeah, right? absolutely. Like, like at right. least if you're going to pay online yeah. prices. Sure. And anymore, you're not going to find a copy of Legless Bull for less than 800 or 900 you know, the yeah. ori uh, an original pressing of Legless Bull for less than eight or $900 in the store unless that person ha doesn't have the internet. Right. And d don't know what they're doing. Yes, and, and nobody's been kind enough to let them know they're sitting on a gold mine. Right, right. right. And, and so... Uh, Somewhere between the lines of that, there is a statement in the fact that, like, these records and these bands and these songs were written as a reaction to this sort of shit. Yes. And look where we are now. Right. right? Know, it's, it's the weird. inevitability of it. It is the inevitability of it, right? Because it's like, I think you could now make an art, a strong argument for any of these songs. And I think some of them maybe are actually being in, like, the Library of Congress. They should be. Right. Sure. You know, and I, I said on, I said on, um, on um, um, King is a Punk. Yeah. I, I, with, I'm pretty sure with filler, but I know I said it about the neg you know, Negative Approach to 7-inch. Like, yeah. That's one of the most important recordings of American music in the yeah. last century. Right, and I know it's like, it, it's it's very, uh, it's very like in NPR music professor type of thing, but like, uh, even though I don't think of it that way, again, I think you could make a very strong argument for this being like, the the next iteration at that point in time, like maybe after garage rock and shit, 
of this being like a form of American folk music. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like this is a this is a very like it's fully grassroots. It's fully non-commercial at this point. Literally everything is entirely word of mouth it's, and self-constructed. It's in, it's in almost every aspect of it, at least this early, it's anti-commercial. Right, exactly. When we talked about, like, you know, turnstile. Right, Bringing sure. hardcore punk, and it was like, no, you can't. You can't right? do Because it, yeah. the ethos of it. Right. It's it's antithetical to the ethos of the form. Right, which is why, why I think we're in an interesting moment with this stuff right now is because... You, this sh this shit by all means should be included in like the Library of Congress, but at the same time, it was a reaction. It was a reaction to that very type of phenomenon. I just, you know, you know, yeah. You put it out there, and, and it's <clears throat> put it out there, and whatever happens, happens. Sure, right. You know, yeah. But yeah, it's it's um, yeah. There's there's something between the lines there, and the fact that like you got a down payment on a house almost. Yeah. If you got those six records. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, what do we uh, what do we want to tackle next? Like and if I, said, I if I have one of the six records, yeah, I wouldn't sell it if I needed chemotherapy. <laughs> I know, dude. I know. I wouldn't sell it if my if I had an infant that needed a heart transplant. Yeah. No, I I mean it's it's it, I'd be like baby. Yeah. This fourteen hundred dollars ain't gonna save little Ralphie. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Like yeah, for sure, he's gonna die. Right. Why do I have to get rid of my record <laughs> in a futile yeah. attempt to prevent him from dying? Yeah, I know, man. Like I, I've said many times, I, I'll, I'll sometimes look around at my things and I'll take stock and I'll just be like, man, if I liquidated most of this stuff right now, the the amount of money I could make from it would be life changing for me. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? it, it, at least, it, at least in the short term, right? Sure, it would allow me to to get ahead in my life financially in a way that I've never been able to. Right. Right. If I, if, cause if I sold all my fucking shit, my shirts, my records and stuff, I mean, I'm talking about, you know, you were 20, 30 grand you're, easy. You're, you're quite literally Gollum. <laughs> right. Yes. I am quite literally Gollum because right? it's like, because if Gollum would, were to like, right. let's say Gollum would be like, Hey, this ring. Yeah. 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 I bet you somebody, I bet you there's some wizard somewhere willing to fork it over for sure for this fucking yeah. ring. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And like you go over, there's, there's a King, right? There's somebody yes. like, Hey, Kingy. Yeah. What are you going to give me for this ring? Check this out. Right. Right. King's Ransom. Right, yes. Gollum no longer lives in a little fucking puddle in a cave. Right, yeah. I mean, yes, I, I, I could immediately either afford to fix or just buy a better vehicle, pay rent on a house for a full year, and then still have plenty of thousands of dollars left over to invest in my business in a way that would really ch pro potentially change the trajectory of my life, at least in the next three to five years. Sure. And I don't consider it for more than 15 seconds. Yeah. I go, ah, nah. You know, there are some records. I, 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 I think I've said before, like, I've never sold a record. I've given records away. Sure. I've given fairly valuable records away. Because right. I have no interest in them. Sure. I think that's more pure to the intent. Right, yeah. Right? Um, there's some I might sell, but maybe not. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, yep. if, I, if I had, like, I don't know, if, if I happened to have, like, an early emo record. Sure, that you just didn't give or a fuck Or an early about, White right? Stripes record. Sure. You know, like get a couple hundred bucks for it. Sure. Sure. Right. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Right? But if I had any one, any one of those original records... Yeah. 
There's nothing. No, I would be, I'd be babbling to myself on the street with no teeth, but which, I'd have that record in my back. Which is insane because I can, I, I literally have other versions of it right, right. that I'll it's, listen to yeah, yeah. Then, then put that on, on the turntable. Yeah, your, uh, your analogy is very apt. It's very, it's Gollum-esque behavior yeah. for sure, but it is what it is. All right, so you, what, what do we want to head to, head to next? I mean, do we want to stick with this Discord lineup for at least a, a couple more? We can. I mean, I've got, I have a government issue, like, bull on my list that I definitely wanted to check out. I have Youth Brigade because I think it's kind of criminally slept on. Uh, I've got Necros IQ32. Okay, 32, so, so you know okay, I mean? okay. Well, then let's go to the West Coast and let's talk about a different band. Okay. Um, that had a pretty big record come out. I think probably one of their, depending upon um, your, depending upon your your taste and mm. proclivities in punk rock. Yeah. This might be one of the most important. Um, this might be your favorite record from Black Flag, and it's Damaged. Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. So I figured let's let's check out Damaged. Yeah. Um, what track do you want to listen to off Damaged? Uh, that's a good that's a good question. Let me let me let me look at the, the track list here. Um, so like a lot of these are are re-recordings of stuff of Keith Morris oh, yeah. era uh -huh. stuff, just yep. with you know Henry singing on it. Um, and I think it's become weirdly and that so that's another thing I want to make mention. There are a ton of there are a ton of EPs mm -hmm. that came out with different versions of these songs, sure. maybe earlier on. Yeah. Some of these releases saw, like, you know, a track that showed up on a comp. Right. We're not revisiting any comps from 81 because sure. there's some pretty important yeah. um, hardcore comps, pretty pretty seminal hardcore comps that come out in 81. There's more that come out in 82. There's tons more records in general that come out in 82 in, in hardcore. But yeah. we're not really talking about comps here. We're not talking about, like, you know, we're not going to talk about previous like demo recordings or previous comp recordings or EP recordings of some of these songs. I'm just looking at like when you think of Black Flag, Damage is one of those records that you probably think about probably before you think about, you know, the TV party, TV party seven for sure. or anything like that. Yeah, at least for me, I jumped in on like Henry era stuff. And I was going to say it's become like troublingly in vogue, at least in my opinion, to to downplay uh, Henry Rollins as a vocalist and a front man and say, right. oh, he was the worst, worst black flag vocalist and sure. shit. And uh, it's it's a foolish position that... Um, it's, 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 it's just, you're just being contrarian. Right. Because, dude, to me, I mean, when you hear, I think it's on Damage 2, like when it comes in and he's, you know, he's like, uh, before the song even starts, my name's Henry and you're with me now. It's right. like, dude, how does that not immediate? How are you not immediately on board with well, that? Well, let's listen to Damage Two. Okay, yeah, I'm into that. I mean, okay. it's also it's. Uh, I think Damage Two is a, and and there's a couple examples of this on some of these records, but this is a blueprint, an early blueprint for like the obligatory dirgy hardcore song. Which is another thing I wanted to talk about, but let's listen to this first. Okay, you know, because also too, I, I think that maybe this isn't the track that most people think of. They, they think spray paint the walls, sure. rise above. I would say I would say pack. my actual favorite song on this record is Police Story, but yeah, I think Damage Two for how different it is right. for sure. Yes. Don't fall back to you. 
There you go. Yeah, man. Yeah. I don't know. To me, Henry Rollins is the kind of the, the quintessential black flag vocalist. It's demonstrated very well on that track. It's demonstrated very well on Damaged One and throughout this record. And again, you know, speaking of live show footage, been watching a lot of old black flag footage recently. I mean, dude, you you cannot do it better than Henry Rollins in his prime. And I don't say that lightly. You cannot do it better. And I don't even mean in the context of just like a punk or hardcore front man or front person, but like as a front person of a band, period. Right. Like, dude, the footage of him when Black Flag, I think they're playing in the UK or something, and somebody had thrown like a beer on stage where he's like raising the fuck, he's like pointing to the dude and like raising the fucking mic stand and like trying to go after the dude in the audience. I mean, it's like... I would say again, and I don't say it lightly. Like one of the most riveting minute and a half is—is is that the—is that the same footage where they play? Um, where they play? Fuck, my mind is totally blanking right now. 
There's one where he's like punching the dude in the crowd, which is that one is fucking nuts. And I think it's when I think they're playing damage one, maybe. Okay. And the dude is like reaching up at him and he like cocks his fucking fist back and just starts laying into the dude. But this is this is like far enough in, like maybe eighty three where he's like long longish hair, you know? Right. Uh and they're playing a little bit slower and uh yeah, somebody had thrown something at him and it's like like I said, I, I think it's like it's one of my favorite like minute and a half or however long of uh a film of live footage like ever. It's it's there's one there's there's a there's a Black Flag video that's pretty well known of course. Yeah. Um where they're playing Rat's Eyes. Okay, yeah, yeah. And yeah. everybody is fucking checked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because it's not the song that they showed up to see Black Flag, and I was wondering if it's if it's that one. It could it could be that one. Yeah, everybody's looking yeah. fucking miserable. Yeah, and you can you kind of get the sense that that Henry Rollins fucking loves it. Yeah, for sure. And like, yes, the the man, like especially in this era, it perfectly embodied the adversarial nature. Like the he's the he's in, in many ways he is the physical model of like the hardcore punk. Yeah, for in sure. In the early 80s. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he is like the prototypical version of right. that, for sure. Uh, especially, again, with this area, like a little bit jacked, fucking shaved head, you know. I mean, it's just, I don't know, dude. I, I just don't think you could beat it. And as far as Greg Ginn's riffs, goes, riffs go, like as shitty a dude as that dude has proven himself to be time and time again uh, over the years, the, he's one of, you know, four or five guitarists that I can say with the utmost honesty, I wouldn't play guitar how I do were it not for teaching myself to play, you know, to these records. And I still very much try to emulate Greg Ginn riffs from this era in my songwriting now. Sure. You know, sure. Uh, the guitar playing on this and the songwriting on this is so far ahead of its time that, again, other than Blast, uh, who, who, who did this, just took this and ran with it entirely, I don't think you would see this sort of, these influence kind of like diffuse at large into hardcore in a very, in a sonically notable way until you got to stuff again, like years down the line, like Rorschach and stuff, mm, like yeah. the dissonance right. and the chugginess and stuff that you hear in this is shit that I don't really think was attempted in earnest by almost any bands yeah, for I, almost I, a decade. The, the main riff, the main riff to damage too, I think if you down tune that a, a little bit, Absolutely. that's a Rorschach riff. Yeah, and, the, and when they hit those with the dissonant chords and everything in there, it's, yeah, like I said, this is a band that was like so far ahead of the curve that it just... Uh, people are still still trying to catch up. It's with it. it's a quintessential hardcore band with a qu- this is a quintessential record. I, yep. Yeah. Visually, look at the fucking record. Yeah. I mean, it's perfect. Sh- yeah. You know, shaved head, fucking angry dude, angry yes. male. Right. Right. Angry white male by, by and large. Sure. Right. Um, fucking punching a punching a mirror. Right. Blood coming down his fist. Right. You know. Yes. What are you mad at? You live in suburbia. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I guess you got problems too. Right. 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 But it's just, you know, it's just that fucking angst, that that male suburban angst coming out there. And yeah, this I this I don't I, I don't know how you talk about hardcore in eighty one without listening to a track off of this. Yep, for sure. So let's uh let's keep it on the West Coast for a second because I I wanna I wanna jump into this. Uh, I wanna listen to some DK. We're gonna do oh, it. Sure. We're gonna do it anyway. You have to. I wanted to listen to something off of In God We Trust Inc. Because also I think arguably this is their most overtly hardcore effort sonically. Um and I've mentioned it on the show before. 
you can also, at least you used to be able to, I haven't looked in a while, but there was a video on YouTube of them recording this live in the studio. Mm -hmm. That is so fucking sick. Mm -hmm. It is so, so, so good to watch all of them playing. It's all recorded live, all in the exact same room. It's really fun. It's it's great. So if you haven't looked it up before, do so. Um, all of the songs on this fucking rip. Um, man, Keep Home Factory is really fucking good. I, I would say, I mean, dude, Religious Vomit, they open this really fucking strong. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do that. So we're going to listen to Religious Vomit off of In God We Trust, Inc. by Dead Kennedys. For sure. Right. Yep. And and I just mentioned, you know, uh, East Bay Ray is also in my like top five, my pantheon of guitarists, again, who like actually actively continue to influence how I try to write songs, how I play the guitar, the tones that I use, even down to like slapback reverb, my my affinity for uh, like Rollin jazz choruses initially comes from uh, East Bay Ray and like Fender Twin Reverbs and all that shit. All the nerdy stuff. The reason I fucking love strats and shit. It's fucking East Bay Ray. It's, yeah, I mean, again, it's hard to overstate how fucking advanced this stuff was. Like, I always just, I, whenever I do delve into this deep and like jump back into this era of stuff and really immerse myself in it, I think one thing that helps me contextualize this stuff is just like looking at the culture at large in 1981 and just understanding how unbelievably against the grain this was in every conceivable way. Yeah. And, 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 you know, Jello's Jello's the, the tone of Jello's voice aside. Sure. His delivery. Yeah. Some of my favorite, absolutely fucking relentless. Yeah. Breathless. Yep. You know, um, you wonder when you, a lot of times when I read Dead Kennedy's lyrics and I'm following along, I'm like, how the fuck is he going to fit all that into this fucking song? Yes, but he, he manages. And he manages to do it. It's yeah. absolutely sneering, mocking, relentless, and breathless. Yeah, for sure. And and I will say, man, dude, the uh, some lyrics of like punk and hardcore of this era can can feel like it hasn't aged as gracefully or it's very topical to things mm -hmm. that were going on at the time. Dead Kennedy's lyrics from start the start to the finish of their career, like uh, sort of very hyper-specific political references here and there aside, are not only unbelievably applicable now, uh, but also still really, really fucking good. Yeah, like, yeah. Good. And, 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 you know, by the time this is released, they had been a band for several years. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, you know, these guys necessarily were... Um, 
they were coming from a more, I, I guess, well thought out place and like minor, minor threat happened to stumble upon with, sure. with their early material. Yeah. California Uber Alice came out in, uh, 79, yeah. I want to say. And like, you know, they were, they were contemporaries with like the germs and X and right. all of that, like LA punk stuff that was going on. Playing a bit faster, sure. playing a bit meaner. Right. And they had a bit more of a, I guess, uh, pointed delivery and pointed message with most of their stuff. Yeah. A lot, you know, you, you're not, you generally speaking, unless, unless it's, unless it's Jello mocking the sentiment, there's not a lot of fucking like adolescent weep whopping on, you know, talking about stupid adolescent no. issues on, and in fact, there is none. No, there's unless none. It's, unless it's Jello making fun of you. And if you hear live recordings from again, like the entire span of, of DK's career, like throughout the eighties, uh, he is you often laying into that type of shit. Right. I mean, this dude was lambasting and like hardcore. He's like five years older. Sure. Three, four or five years older. Than right. Yeah. He. This dude was like uh, lambasting hardcore, like shaved head hardcore macho shit mm -hmm. from jump. You right. know what I mean? Right. Uh, and that does it better than most people have ever managed to pull off. So. Um, we, we are, uh, we're certified DK stands on this show. We've, we've probably talked them up enough. Like I said, we talk about them on the weekly show all the time too. So what, uh, what do we want to listen to next? So, um, I thought I'd take it to the Midwest. Okay. NA doesn't have a release in 81. No. Um, they have some comp tracks that show up, yeah. but we're not doing comps. Sure. I think they show up on, um, they show up on, um, Oh Jesus! Of course, I forgot the name of the the, the comp. I know. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of it. It's not unsafe at any speed. No. It's um. It's it's uh. It's mo. It's it's like mostly. It's like necros and yeah. I know. I don't know why the fucking uh. God, dude, because they did a tour that by the name of it too, and the name just escapes me right now, and I don't know why. Process of elimination. process of elimination. That's right. So they have some comp tracks. We're not going to visit that. So right. we're not going to listen to NA. Sure. I want to talk about the next best best thing in Michigan in '81, and that's the fix. Okay, sick. That so uh, we had the same. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna. Uh, I was gonna play some songs from from James. I, room, I, so. I you know I don't think that like the fix is certainly isn't unknown. No, right. I don't think that they're the first band you think of when you think about Midwest hardcore in the early '80s. Right. But they're every bit as good as their contemporaries. For sure. And um, so I, I don't want to put them in like part two of this. I want to talk about really generally speaking stuff that I hadn't heard before. Sure. Yeah. 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 In, in in part two. So I want to talk about the fix. Yeah. And um, yeah, why don't you pick the track? I think again, dude, because uh, the elite, the opening track off of Jan's room. I mean, it doesn't get much better than this, and we can talk about it more if we want to. But talking about Discord, just as like uh, a pretty remarkable example of like a label just documenting shit that would later become so much more important that they could ever conceive of at the Touch time. Touch and go. Touch and go, dude. I mean, just unbelievable. Yeah, they 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 are basically the Discord of the Midwest. Yes, yeah, for sure. And uh, I think, you know, fittingly, they, they even had a split release with Discord yeah. early on, so, um, which I think is the Necros release, which I'm sure we'll talk about too. So, mm -hmm. yeah, let's, uh, let's listen to the first song off of Jan's Room. So we're going to listen to Cuz the Elite by uh, The Fix. Yeah! 
So again, a recurring theme of the evening, I think, is that like this is another sound that would later be copied, but like way the fuck later. If you told me that this was coming out on 11 p.m. Yes. next month, right? Yep, yes. sure. Well, this sounds entirely contemporary. Yes, exactly. So, so interestingly, again, this is like, I mean, there are other bands around this time that that kind of sound like this, like that this is kind of representative of the general hardcore zeitgeist of, of the time sonically. But to me, it's more blown out. It's more ferocious than a lot of that stuff. It's, it's straight ahead and barbaric and furious and raw and fucking fast in a way that to me, I mean, you get, you get an inkling of it here and there, especially in like other international bands from the eighties. But I don't think this style is recreated in earnest in completion, right? Like the, everything about this, including like the look of the record and everything like that until you get to like, sorry, state, no way, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. in like the early, early mid aughts, like yep. until you get to like government warning and like uh, double negative and all of that stuff. I think that's the first time people took this and were like, let's recreate this wholesale. Right. You know what I mean? I don't think there's no there until that time. I don't think there was ever sort of a, a self-contained larger scene of bands that were like, this is what we're going to do. Right. And, and, and out of Lansing, Michigan. Right. Yeah. Insane. Right. Right. So, you know, you have DC. Yeah. Well-known, well-established DC is a hotspot in the early eighties. Yeah. LA. Sure. Arguably the birthplace of hardcore. Right. Yeah. Right. Sure. San Francisco. Lansing fucking Michigan, right? right? <laughs> yeah, and, sure. and, and, and generally speaking, like that process of elimination comp highlights it, like Lansing, Detroit, um, Necros were from Maumee, Ohio. Mm -hmm. yep. They don't even say Toledo, Maumee. Maumee is basically connected to Toledo. Yeah. Right? Yeah, sure. So, you know, here you have right here, basically in the Great Lakes, you know, Chicago also, but right. I, I kind of I view this as separate from that. For sure. Um, you know, Lansing fucking Michigan. You yeah. want to know where Lansing is? Look at your right hand, the palm of your right hand, and it's basically right in the middle of your palm. Yes. Yep. Right? Yep, for sure. Uh, yeah, it's uh, if, and if you've ever been to Lansing, you, you'll you know how remarkable it is that this came out of Lansing in 1981 because it's not popping now. I'm sure it wasn't popping in 1981. It's got M either. East Lansing has MSU. Sure. Yes, yeah, so that's that's about it, though. Yep. Um, okay, you want to keep it in the Midwest then? Keep it on the same tip and listen to something off of uh, IQ32 by yeah. Necros? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We might as well, right? I don't know. Let's just listen to the one-two punch of IQ32 and Youth Camp. I think we'll just okay. listen to the first two songs off of this because, again, like many of these records, you could just play this front to back and there's not a bad song on the, on the entire thing. So, yeah, we'll listen to the first two songs off of this.
often say that rock and roll based hardcore is the best form best version of the form yes how can you disagree with that yeah for sure right right yes like how can you fucking disagree listen to what we just fucking heard yeah yeah man and like Corey rusk who started touch and go also played bass in oh and band. by the way this is the split release between touch and go and yes discord. this this is the one that did, they did with discord and uh ian mckay produced this record um yeah man it's just like Corey rusk played in the Necros, one of the best bands from the Midwest of this era, and then started what would, again, as I intimated earlier, go on to be not just one of the most critical documents of early hardcore punk, period, but would go on to, like, shape the trajectory of alternative music and heavy music throughout the 80s and 90s with Touch and Go. Mm -hmm. I mean, put out stuff that was groundbreaking time and time again and like that's so this is the double-edged sword of this era of stuff right is that sometimes like when we do the the episodes where we we, we listen to the sort of misguided r breakout rock attempt records of some of these bands it's right. like oh man these dudes just stumbled into this and then you have dudes like Corey rusk and dudes like ian mckay or whatever who have consistently been on the cutting edge of like alternative and subculture music from jump and right. just forever moving forward. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And, and have, and have helped truly and genuinely helped redefine subculture music several times in their own lifetime by what they curate and put out. And it's just like, this is a dude who clearly just like knew what the fuck he was doing. Right. And just for folks that aren't familiar with touch and goes like they, they, you know, they put out like, more than a hundred fucking records sure. in the eighties, yes. right? But just to, they put out that fix record. Well, they put out they put out Vengeance. Yep. Um, they put out Jan's Room. Both of the fix the fix EPs. Necros, you know, Negative Approach. Mm -hmm. Um, Decroitson. Right. The self titled Butthole Surfers. Right. Yes. Um. Yep. You know, Kill, fucking Killdozer. Killdozer. Big Black. Yes, dude. Um. You know, Jesus Lizards. Scratch Acid. Laughing Hyenas. Yeah, man. Um. Rape Man. How can yes. you? How can you not love it? Yeah, for sure, dude. Uh, the no trend stuff from later in like the mid to late '80s. I mean, they just, uh, yeah, dude. Like they they helped create an entire an entire subculture like sound unto itself outside of hardcore. Um, I mean, they put out the bands that like would later go on to like you. you there wouldn't be like '90s noise rock mm -hmm. without Touch and Go. Right. They were that. They were the jumping right. off point for all of that stuff. Right. You know. So, 
Yeah, man. Much, much love to uh, Touch and Go Records and Necros. Um, what you want to hear next? We have so much to so much to choose from. I know there, there's so much to choose from, and I'm trying to pick like you know. Let's go back to DC. Yeah, I was I was going to do the same. Okay, so let's go back to DC, and um, well, you 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 have legless bull. I have legless bull. That was okay. what was next in my next well, in my let's lineup. Let's do that. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So let's see, man. What what? So I think the A side is stronger than the B side on this. The B side is good for sure. They're like shorter, snottier songs. So I really like most government issue stuff, even when they kind of did like a post-punk turn. And I think maybe most people think of Joyride as being kind of like the the essential government issue document. But I would say that Legless Bull, uh, again, there's some examples of shit going on on this record that are blueprints for just like hardcore tropes that would that still exist today, like Sheer Terror that song mm-hmm. in and of itself mm-hmm. there's so much going on there that is like especially s- today especially today with like the delay on right. the vocals right, right, right all of that shit it's just if you dig hard enough and you spend enough time with this stuff you don't even have to look far all of these things have existed since jump you know it's and it's interesting to see how they were expressed like in this initial sort of nascent form um man I think again, religious ripoff fucking opens this record so fucking well. I think we got to do that. It's such a okay. good fucking song. So right. let's listen to religious ripoff. Forget yeah. about it, man. Right, it's fucking insane. Right, this is all I want to hear for the rest of my fucking. I was, life. I was about to say, I've been, I've been, ch- this, I've been chasing this dragon, you know, <laughs> yeah. since I heard that. Since the first time I've heard it, all I want to do is keep hearing it. Yeah, you know, and 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 get that initial fucking hit. Yeah, and I've like I the so back in the day, I I can't remember what year it came out, but in the two thousands there was a a government issue like full discography like double CD. And that was a pretty early, like, physical purchase of, like, early hardcore media that I got when I was a kid, you know, 14, 15 years old. So these songs are ingrained in my fucking mind. And I would say John Stab is, like, pound for pound, especially on this 
on this particular release as good a hardcore front man as you're going to hear during this era too. Yeah. His vocals on this record are so, so good. Yeah. And like I said, when, when the song was about to start, like I, I could barely contain my coming elation. But after that intro, that first fast riff, when they just pause and break it down into that halftime riff, like it's, it, it's everything I, it's everything I love about hardcore. I've been trying to write that riff my whole life. Anything half that good, you know? There is a copy of this for sale on Discogs for $1,750. Only $1,750. What a steal. What a steal. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I, I think this is a band that maybe gets considered, like, and also ran, and I, I think it's a deeply flawed take. I right. think it, it's just, especially this release, if you're talking about early hardcore documents, this is... For me, anyway, this is way up there. This is really, really fucking good. The A side, I think, is as good as anything that was coming out in 81. And the B side is still really, really good, mm -hmm. for sure. So, mm -hmm. um, okay, what, uh, what do we want to hear next? We could we could keep it in D.C. if we wanted to. I also have uh, a, another one that I think is, is criminally under, underrated, but nonetheless, like, well-lauded, uh, the Youth Brigade, the uh, possible All EP. right, well, let's go back to the West Coast. Well, actually, yeah, let's go back to the West Coast. Okay. I have some Texas stuff, but I think maybe sure. maybe next episode. Yeah, yeah, for, it's a little bit more out there, for sure. Yeah, it's and again, that's another thing. Like we talk about this popping up in spot fires. Like, yeah, I'm sure there's tape trading. Oh, you know, of course. There's tours. There's cross communication and cross pollination. But like the fact that you have bands in popping up in like Boston, DC, Detroit, and, and like Lansing and fucking Maumee sure. of all fucking places, yeah. right? Basically going toe to toe with Dead Kennedys and and Black Flag, yeah, and that sort of, and and middle of fucking nowhere, Texas, yeah. Right? For sure. Um, so I thought, um, yeah, let's go to the Pacific Northwest, uh, the okay. Farts. Oh, fuck yeah. All right, sick. I think we listened to we listened to the Farts. Uh, they were one of my selections on the episode that we did sometime in the last few months where we did, like, underrated mm -hmm. 80s bands, and the Farts were for one of my selections. Right. So so because this world fucking stinks, yeah. came out in 81. Yep. Right. Um, so... Um, yeah, let's just uh, let's just come in right off right off jump. Okay, you yep. got a brain. Yep. So, uh, a little, a little um, more amateurish, a little sloppier, sure. Than you know, like what we opened up with with Minor Threat, right? Minor Threat was definitely a, like when you compare this that to the Farts, a lot tighter, sure, a lot less juvenile. In I guess it's 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 um um uh, it's a lot less juvenile in its uh, final form, sure, yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. But nevertheless, this I think that this like. This perfectly encapsulates the adolescence of hardcore in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, of the era. Yeah. And and Blaine Cook goes on, I mean, he's a fucking ripper in The Accused. Yes, dude. Um, You know, 
Blaine Cook is uh, an important vocalist of the era. Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, because the we we listened to uh, we listened to the accused stuff, like revisited the accused stuff for the Kings of Punk episode that we did, and I hadn't listened to it in a, a long while. We listened to uh, Martha Splatterhead for that because we were doing the you know the Pusshead Top One Hundred of the eighties or whatever, and like. Holy fuck! Again, a band that was just like holds up so much better than even myself gave them credit for. It mm-hmm. was one, I think the Accused was, as I talked about at the, at the top of this episode, one of those bands. I just, you know, a t-shirt band. I guess you see old dudes wearing Accused mm-hmm. shirts and stuff, and like I knew I liked the Accused. It wasn't like, oh, this band sucks. It was just one of those things where, like, oh yeah, you listen to the Accused when you're first getting into like punk and hardcore, and they're good. And you don't think to revisit them. And right. you're making a mistake not not doing so, you know? Right. So I was trying to find a, a recent picture of Blaine Cook. Yeah. Right? Because the one for the farts is just, you know, the, the picture off, the, off that. Sure. And, you know, Googling the name Blaine Cook, there are a lot of Blaine Cooks. No doubt, yeah. Right? All of them. Very handsome. Sure. Yeah, that guy's ripped, right? Well put together men. Uh-huh. Right? Look at this. Right. Look at that body. Sure. Unreal. Right? You can see every muscle in his torso. Yeah. And he's he's live. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Look at that jawline. Yeah. Well defined. And then there's the <laughs> 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 yeah. Then there's our boy in the Poison Idea shirt. Right. And there's no when you Google Blaine Cook, um, you can tell right away if you've never seen the man before which Blaine Cook we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> yeah. There's no there's no questions whatsoever. Right. Um, okay. Let's uh, let's listen to that Youth Brigade EP. Why why not? Right. Let's uh, let's let's jump into it. The Possible EP. I like the the little uh, the little story around why it's called the Possible EP too, um, because uh, homeboy who played in bass in this band, Bert uh, Quiraz, I want to say. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but he had like he was hel- he helped found Discord, I think. Um, and uh, one of the ads, like early Discord, like Zine ads like advertised all the upcoming stuff and it said uh, and also a possible ep from youth brigade and i think bert was a little hurt that he was like i'm helping run the label you're possibly gonna release our record like maybe uh so they just called it the possible ep um this is another one there's a lot of really good fucking songs on this record uh they open it up strong Uh, you know no need to pick and choose they 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 get the point across in the first minute 16 so we're gonna listen to uh it's about time that we had a change by youth brigade So 
in hardcore, mm-hmm. there's a lot of sameness. Sure. Admittedly. Yes. Right? To the outside, virtually every single song we just listened to, you know, your average uninitiate mm-hmm. could not distinguish between them. Yes. I couldn't distinguish between them when I first started listening to this shit. Yeah. Right? It's all kind of the same. Right. But how many times, and, and that's fine. Yes. I, I don't need innovation. Mm-hmm. Right? How many times have you heard some variation of that bass line opening up a fucking track in your life? Yes, so many times, right? <laughs> yeah, so many times. And there it was for the first time in 1981. Right. So it's interesting, on the same tip that you were just touching on, like the sort of sonic, uh, like the, the sonic through lines, shall we say, of this stuff. And like, again, as we touch on frequently, how pedantic we are about the stuff that we talk about on this show and how it's indiscernible, you know, from band to band to the outsider. And how, to me, like when I hear that compared to the farts, I'm immediately like, yeah, that sounds like DC hardcore. Yes. You know, immediately. Right. And I, and I think we have to acknowledge like the, the, the one consistent through line in DC hardcore of this era, which is Donzi and Tara on like producing this stuff at inner ear studios. I think that has probably more than a little bit to do with it. Right. Because there was a sonic uniformity to his production style, like the guitar tones he captured, how stuff was recorded that makes this stuff, at least to me, maybe I'm just imagining it, but at least to me, this era of DC hardcore is immediately recognizable. Like even if I had never heard that Youth Brigade uh, EP before in my life, you put that on within the first 10 to 15 seconds, I'm like, oh yeah, this is a DC hardcore band mm-hmm. all day. You sure. Know? And I, but beyond that, beyond just like Donzi and Tara's like uh, influence on, on how this stuff was recorded and captured on tape. I do think that there's like a, a certain hard to articulate sensibility about the, this era and every era, but this era of DC hardcore that just puts it in a different, in a different space than other stuff. It had a different vibe to it. A lot of it, even though some of it, like the SOA stuff is pretty amateurish uh, compared to like Minor Threat, but I don't know. There's something about this shit that like, it all felt like really, they all felt like really complete ideas. I, I And I think a lot of that is just like, when you read the oral history of, of like early hardcore and stuff and you read interviews with the people putting this stuff together like Ian McKay and his brother and Bert Kuraz and all these dudes who were like starting Discord I think they had a they had a sense that what they were doing might be at least marginally important or at the very least worth documenting in a serious way in a way that many other scenes didn't have like there were other examples of this, but I think these dudes, like, they had a certain, they had a certain, like, seriousness and austerity in that early DC hardcore stuff that I just think, like, sets this apart that this, all of these releases feel, like, very well thought out, well documented, well presented in a way that some other stuff doesn't. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. It does. They do have a, a certain consistency. Sure. Not only sonically, but just in, in in the in the total package. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a theme that runs through all that. Speaking of that sonic similarity, I was thinking that when we listened to the Necros, mm-hmm. Seven Inch Two, like, you know, that's a fucking, you know, Ohio, you know, like we said, mommy Ohio, sort of like upper Midwest band. Yeah. But damned if that doesn't sound like an upper Midwest band, you know, 
through a minor threat filter. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right? And right. that's because Ian McKay produced it. So. Yes, yes, absolutely. I think these dudes just have a way of, like, everything they touch, you're like, oh, yeah, like a DC dude is involved in this. Right. You know? And again, like, you can see, you can hear that that same through line in all of the Revolution Summer shit and all the Fugazi stuff. You know, take your pick. Um, okay, what you what you want to hear next? Like I said, we still a lot. We have a lot to choose from. We do have a we do have a lot to choose from. I'm looking I'm looking at my list right now. Um, damn it, I highlighted a bunch of stuff, but most of it is stuff that I want to put in the second one. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah, like oh, sure. of course I'll remember this. Right. Let's listen to um, Husker Du statues. Okay, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'm into that. Uh, what uh, what do we want to hear from that? So Husker Du, so there's actually a really good uh, if for anybody interested. Um, there's like a really good PBS. Um, like Minneapolis, uh, I think it's six part. I want to say six part, uh, documentary that you could find on YouTube for free right now that documents like the early, uh, Minneapolis and twin cities, uh, hardcore punk scene. And, uh, it's really sick. There's like interviews with folks from replacements and Husker do, and a lot of stuff, um, that is considerably less notable uh but from the footage that i watched in the documentary sounds fucking sick i actually made a running list of stuff from like minneapolis and twin cities that i hadn't heard before Mm -hmm. that i'm gonna check out from that documentary so you should you should go check that shit out okay um okay so yeah this is uh this is like the this is the very first husker do uh effort and i think like from my memory it's been a long time since i listened to this stuff but this is another one where i think even by the next release like even by um, like their first like proper full length land speed record, they got a lot. They refined their sound quite a lot. Yeah, they did. So it'll be interesting to re- re- revisit this stuff because I haven't listened to this in a long right. time. Generally considered early on though, hardcore band early on. Yes, yeah, for sure. So okay, let's uh, let's, let's just listen, listen to the title, title track. track yeah. yeah, for sure.
So <clears throat> we've talked about it a couple times, like I talked about it with Meyer Threat. I think one of many, I've used this term several times tonight, but I, I, again, do so not lightly. I think one of the more remarkable things about a lot of these early bands is just like the the breadth of sound they explored in a really short period of time and like kind of stumbling their way into hardcore and then ultimately stumbling their way out of hardcore into something that became just as genre defining in its own way. I think Husker Du is like a really interesting case study as a band in general because they start with this, which is like spacey and psyched out and is kind of hardcore by default in 81 because they're playing in that scene. Yeah. It's, it's got, it's got the, it's got the guitar tone. You right. know, the only thing it doesn't have basically is the speed. Right. And then and already by the next EP in a free land and by their first full length land speed record, they're playing like blazing fast speeds. And in fact, like on land speed record and shit, you know, they were well known, not just in Minneapolis and the Twin Cities, but generally as being like one of the fastest bands right. out. But then by 1983, so in like two very short years, like on Metal Circus, they're putting out the song Real World, which doesn't sound like anything else that was coming out in 1983, period, mm -hmm. at all. And again, like would take a couple years for bands to even try to do that with like the Revolution Summer stuff was kind of in the vein of, of, of you know, Metal Circus and like Zen Arcade era Husker Du stuff. And would go on to like, you know, flip your wig and New Day Rising and Candy Apple Grey. Again, like help create the blueprint along with like D Jr. and shit for the alt rock of the mid to late 80s. And it's just, they're, they're a wild band to like, I would, I would really love to do a Husker do deep dive, like something from every fucking record. Cause they're yeah. a, they're a wild band to sort of experience in real time. So here's the thing, this song, I was thinking earlier today about some of the slower dirgier tracks that hardcore bands did. Yes. You know, revisiting this and, and, and sort of thinking about this, uh, I, today, you would not classify if you heard this as hardcore. Right. They, they were parallel to hardcore bands. This is a parallel parallel release. You sure. know what I mean? But it really does lack the, if you ask me, it lacks the speed. Yeah. Nevertheless, hearing a band play this on the same stage as Minor Threat would not be out of place. Yeah, for sure. Right? A lot of those Dirgier tracks, it seems to me, that a lot of hardcore bands, they're, they're not the players yet to pull that off. Right. You know? Yes. There's a, there's, it doesn't pop up all the time, but there are a few tracks, mm -hmm. you know, a few late, a few years later, what, 82 or 83, Jerry's Kids, yeah, you know, Raise the Curtain. Sure. Eh. Yeah. Eh. You know? Right. It's okay, but I hate the reason I'm listening to that fucking record. Sure. You know? And to pull off these Dirgier tracks, I think that you, you have to be better than your average hardcore musician. For sure. To make it interesting and, and, and keep attention. And that's what we see here. And that's why these guys don't stick around in hardcore for very long. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yes. They 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 get bored of this really, really quickly because, man, like I said, in two years to go from this to to like Metal Circus is is pretty astounding. Mm -hmm. Uh it would be, yeah. Like I said, if you if you It's 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 like the heel turn that like TSOL does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. It's just like, damn, they got there so fucking fast. And and again, I think what is is really incredible to experience when you're kind of going through and listening to this stuff chronologically is A, the short period of time in which it happened, B, like the average age of the participants, which is very, very young, and C, like how they're arriving at this stuff more or less in a, in a vacuum. Like, I, it's 
pretty, it's pretty mysterious to me, like how Husker Du would have arrived at what they sounded like on Metal Circus two years from this. Like, I literally don't know how you would do it because I find as a songwriter, I'm really, I'm very, very good at emulation. Like that's pretty much my strength. If mm -hmm. I hear something, I can be like, I oh, yeah, I can recreate sort of a facsimile of that sure. in a way that I think is convincing. Sure, you know, I'm, I think I'm, I excel at that. But I have no idea how you would just do any of this stuff in a vacuum and just be like, yeah, we just came up with this for the first time ever. It's never been done before, and we just came up with it. Right. It it truly genuinely like boggles boggles my mind that's the difference between you and a musician i guess yeah yeah for sure <laughs> right yeah i'm a you know i'm i'm a fucking i'm a i'm an imitating monkey you know i'm a trained chimp yeah i can put the blocks in the right holes for the reward yeah but like that's and, it and, and frankly i mean that's that's exactly that that i mean no slate on you but i mean that's exactly it right yeah. is that we always say that you know this is the egalitarian stuff yes what we just heard is not something that most folks, most kids in their 17 to say 22 year old range in 1983 could pull out. No, absolutely. Right. Not. Yeah. But most folks could pull, most everybody could do something like the farts. Right. Or sure. Youth Brigade right. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. These, these dudes are wild. And, uh, and Bob Mold went on to a, a long, a lengthy career of, uh, of ripping ass guitar rock stuff. Um, okay. We want to listen. We want to listen to anything else before we sign out. We've, you know, we've, we're, we're still on it. We still got like, this, is this a three-parter? Hey, it could be. We I haven't mean, talked about the zero boys. Yeah, I know we haven't. We, we, we need to address zero boys. Yes, we do. We, we've still got like a good, we've still got a, a good 30 minutes, th 30 minutes before we hit we the two hour to, mark. Yeah. I mean, we haven't talked about descendants. Yeah. We haven't talked about descendants. Descendants is another, like the fat EP on this is like another one where it's like, damn, they made a lot of progress in a really short period yeah, of time. Yeah. By yeah, the time yeah. they get to Milo, it's like, oh damn, this is a different band. Now. Right. Right. You know? So, um, yeah, I mean, Let's do Zero Boys. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because uh, Vicious Circle came out this year. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Zero Boys is also a band that really didn't stick around in hardcore for that long. I would argue not because they are, like, superior musicians who went on to do really cool stuff like Husker Du, because I think, like, in fact, Zero Boys kind of went more boilerplate punk in on future releases than they did on vicious circle it's the only one that i would consider properly hardcore um and there was a handful of bands that that did that that started out hardcore and like went more uh, not even in an attempt to be more mainstream but just like maybe they did hardcore because it was like the punk flavor du jour and mm -hmm. really they just wanted to play more traditional punk rock or whatever it, it always struck me as like a weird sort of backslide but there were a handful of bands that did this i mean jerry's kids even even did it later in the 80s mm -hmm. but vicious circle is is a, a critical document of midwest hardcore from the early 80s for sure um let's see let me uh let's let's see what we got here on this track list civilization's dying is the one that most people are probably familiar with yeah for sure um trying to think here What's what's the track on here? I mean the the opening the opening song is really good. Like the title track too. Vicious Circle is really good. Civilization's Dying is a fucking banger too. Um, I don't know. Do we want to do? Do we live in the eighties? Is a fucking track too. Mm -hmm. Like the follow up to Civilization's Dying. Um, yeah, let's let's do let's do Civilization's Dying. I mean, I think that's the standout cut for a reason, right? So let's uh, let's listen to that one. 
fucking banger a fucking banger from indianapolis most people i think most people are familiar with the zero boys and in, in like name alone outside of indiana anyway i i know i i see them kind of name checked as like oh yeah they were an early they were like an important early hardcore punk band but i don't know that that many people ride for them as hard as i think this this record deserves to be ridden for i think they had a bit there maybe a bit of a renaissance for zero boys for sure a yeah. bit i that, that track appeared on which video game? Like, oh, I don't it know. It was one of those skateboard video games. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, you know, that that doesn't hurt. Yeah, no, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, the whole record's a fucking banger. It is like, I talked about, like, they kind of did more, like, straight ahead punk rock after this. And there's still plenty, like, you can hear it in this song. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it has, it has a youthfulness and the snottiness and also, like, the buzzsaw guitars of American hardcore. But there's a ton of melody in this record. And I actually think, like, for myself, as I've talked about before, as somebody who arrived at hardcore via like '77 punk and and power pop and shit like that first, yeah. this record this is like closer to home. This is a really good like introductory early hardcore record, and was for me because I'm like, oh man, there's all the melody and the sing along, but some of these songs get a lot faster than Civilization's Dying, and like I said, the the production style, the guitar tone, everything is like much more in line with contemporary hardcore punk of the time too. Mm-hmm. This is like a this is a really good sort of uh, like connective tissue between like early punk and hardcore stuff. Right. This is a nice kind of like uh, missing link record, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. So on we talked about like uh, how a lot of the early bands have trouble with the dirgier tracks. I will push back and say I think that D- Jerry's Kid song is actually a really fucking good example of it. I love that fucking song. And in uh, fact, it's one of my favorite songs on that record. Yeah, okay. And ain't the reason I'm listening to it. It's not the reason I'm listening to it either, but I think it breaks that record up really, really well and is a fucking banger. And was 
covered later by his hero is gone for right. for good reason. Yeah, and that cover's not very good either. That cover's really fucking good. I don't like that cover. Oh, I love that. I love that cover. So the band, I will say, the an early example of this that did it the best, Ha 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 by Flipper. Oh, so I, that's another one. Like, we have to talk about Flipper. Right, because they are the, the anti-hardcore, hardcore band. Right. A band, hardcore, by association, happenstance, alone basically they never i don't know that they're i mean other than there's a few example like clock cleaner was super influenced by flipper but like they existed in the hardcore scene only to antagonize participants in it and this has way more to do with and and influenced much more like noise rock than it did any hardcore stuff right this influenced cows and jesus lizard and butthole right. surfers and all that shit more right. than it did anything else uh but man i fucking love this seven inch and just like i would have killed to be in the room while they were playing these like four minute antagonistic right. songs to a group of like shaved head hardcore kids in 1981 right who were like on the verge of literally physically attacking them because they wouldn't play fast. You right. Know? So let's let's listen to this song because as far as early hardcore punk dirges go, Ha 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 is, is the cut for me. Yeah, I, Ha 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 is kind of the flipper cut. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it's so fucking good. Uh, and and it's, it's, it's accessible enough that if you haven't heard Flipper before, you're like, okay, I'm into this. But if you're really into it and you're into it for the right reasons, then you can jump into like generic... Uh, generic flipper it's, and it's, like it's the sentiment of the song right. is so fucking utterly perfect yes exactly you know yep. so, yeah alright cool
There you go. That's if I if I had to like pick ten songs, you know, if I had to, if I was doing like some corny sort of uh, project in which is like you know pick ten songs that best represent you. Yeah. I think that I would think make. A, I think a, I think a lot of punks would. I think that would make it on there. I think a lot know? of folks listen that, that uh, listen to punk would. It it makes me want to joyously commit acts of violence. You know, it's yeah. it's it's just it's it's so good. It, uh, yeah, it, it makes me want to fucking just lay in a wet gutter and yeah. laugh at the end of the world. Right. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. It it makes me want to gleefully gleefully open the end or uh, gleefully welcome the end with open arms. Right. You know what I mean? It's just, it's so fucking good. <laughs> it's so good. And I love, like I said, I, I love that even this early on, this shit was pointed, like the gun was pointed inward as much as it was outward. Right. And I think that sort of, uh, I commented on it with like DK too. I think this sort of like early examples of self-awareness and like, self-contained uh self-referential antagonism towards the scene that they were a part of is something that you know instantly resonated with me and again you and i in our in our own band and in many of my musical endeavors in other ways is something that i constantly try to recreate it's something i've talked about before it's, with like yeah how i love like you know the one thing i love about the early jesus and mary chain stuff is that it's really accessible on its face but it puts this wall of static and noise and feedback to make it inaccessible to people who don't get it. Yep. And I think to me, like for me, this is uh, this is an early jumping off point where I learned this about myself. It's self-destructively <laughs> you know? standoffish. Exactly. It's, this is an early example of me understanding like this is like a key part, this is a key component of who I am as a person is like the desire to cut off my nose to spite my face, shoot myself in the foot, do things that may succeed if I didn't self-sabotage, but to like joyously revel in the way that I make something inaccessible to others, you know? And like, this was one of the first, first tracks and one of the first bands that I heard that kind of awakened that impulse in me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it remains, I was, I would say, I was going to say it remains as strong as ever, but it's probably stronger than ever at this point in my life. So, um, all right. What do we uh, we want to listen to anything else before we uh, before we call it? Where are we at? We're like we're just pushing up on a couple hours. We could call it there uh, feasibly. I mean, Flipper is a good way to. I like, think it's a good way to go. Out. It's a good like you know close the door on this chapter before we before we go into part two. I think we could we could do three parts of this. And yeah. why not? There's plenty of stuff to talk about because we could. I mean, just talking about the early releases of like uh, the UK eighty two stuff alone mm-hmm. is to is going to take up a fair amount of time we haven't we didn't even talk about like doa mm-hmm. um, no we didn't talk about any canadian bands i mean there's a day low abortions yeah, their exa- first record comes out so. yep and yep. that's that's an overlooked band a super that's a band, band that i basically have completely ignored until you know maybe 15 years ago yep for sure yep and then that doesn't even cover like the more international stuff and like a, the stuff the really obscure not really obscure but far less accessible reaches of the american shit like i talked about like saccharine trust or uh even like um the f- uh really red lp that came right. out this year right. uh teaching you the fear um which is super slept on but very very good channel three one of us heads 
all-time top 100 punk records of the 80s. Yeah, for sure. So there's still a fuck ton of stuff to cover. I think that's uh, that's a nice place to kind of put a pin on it and move on. Uh, so, yeah, let's uh, let's call it there. Thanks to everybody who hung out with us for this one. Like I said, we'll get slightly more obscure and slightly more international on the, uh, the coming installments. And I don't know. These are some of my favorite episodes to do because uh, it's very low impact. We just get to sit down and listen to really good listen records. Listen to music that we know we're going to like. Yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we'll uh, we'll see you on the next one.